How can we be kind and courteous to our alcoholic loved ones? How do we show kindness to ourselves? Welcome to episode 211 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Saul and Michelle. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Saul and Michelle, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we'd like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope you'll find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. Joining me is co-host Eric. Welcome, Eric. Good morning, Spencer. Welcome from Greenwich, Connecticut. I wanted to open with a reading. This is actually the beginning of the reading of Tradition 5 in the book, How Al-Anon Works. The tradition says, each Al-Anon family group has but one purpose, to help families of alcoholics. We do this by practicing the 12 steps of AA ourselves, by encouraging and understanding our alcoholic relatives, and by welcoming and giving comfort to families of alcoholics. And the first paragraph of the discussion says, The essence of all healing is love, and the fifth tradition demonstrates the loving nature of the Al-Anon program. In Al-Anon, we learn to love ourselves as well as others. This often means changing both our attitudes and our behavior and all that we do every day. It means putting an end to lingering hostilities and adopting an attitude of tolerance, courtesy, and appreciation in our daily interactions with family and friends. I thought that would be a nice lead into our discussion today of a couple of words, which are kindness and courtesy, and you've been gracious enough to find us some definitions, so why don't we start with that? I usually do look up uh, a word and see what, you know, the common definition is, and (laughs) Looking up kind, in this case, I found having or showing a friendly, generous, sympathetic, or warm-hearted nature, agreeable or beneficial, I particularly like that. Um, The other one here is uh, of a good or benevolent nature or disposition as a person, having, showing, or proceeding from benevolence, um, considerate, helpful, humane. Uh, you know, all we're all obviously very, very positive. Mm-hmm. I don't have I, I don't have um, uh, Scrabble points for this one. <laughs> all right, and I looked up courtesy, which I found um, definitions here: the showing of politeness in one's attitude and behavior. Urban Dictionary: courteous behavior, polite speech or action, thoughtful action or gesture. A lot of program tools in those definitions. Absolutely. No Scrabble points either. Oh, well. Eric, you suggested this this topic of kindness and courtesy, and so I thought I'd start by asking, what prompted that? You know, I, I've been in program going on my eighth year now. You know, the, the things I work on now are, are becoming more and more subtle. This one, although seemingly subtle at first, kind of like the traditions or the concepts which seem at first glance subtle and really how does this relate but this one you know the more i thought about it is actually really enormous and it is about not just being kind or courteous which you know i grew up i didn't grow up in an alcoholic family and my parents taught me you know very 
very good behavior. I mean, very to be kind and thoughtful and courteous. I mean, I was a Boy Scout. I can recite the whole, the whole oath. You know, thoughtful, courteous, brave, clean, reverent, all that stuff. And you know, when I found myself recently noticing and becoming, obviously, with more I stay in this program, the more aware and awake I become to my behavior. When I am not kind or not courteous, I don't hold the door, say thank you, appreciate a gesture, notice someone that gave me a, a glance, uh, a kind look, noticed it. it. It pays huge dividends for me when I am aware enough to do those small, simple things that make my life more generous uh, mm-hmm. in benevolent and the words in the definition. It comes back twofold. When I exhibit kindness, generosity, courtesy, and I guess what prompted this was, I guess that I'm, you know, I had a friend, uh, one of my sponsees a while ago in a meeting. He, he has a daughter who I guess celebrated some long-term sobriety milestone. Might have been her 10th anniversary. She's uh, an adult now, 30 something years old. And he, and he marveled uh, uh, at her awareness and her complete trans- transformation by working the AA program. And he asked her, you know, what kept you coming? You know, why did you keep coming for 10 years, almost every day? And she said something that has stuck with me for a long time. She just said, uh, I kept coming to see how awake I can get. The awareness that I've experiencing now is, is causing me to study these small, really I would used to say intuitive, but not so much. I mean, things that happen on a daily basis that we can just improve upon. When I'm unkind, and I've caught myself being unkind recently, which is to answer your question, when I snap at my daughter, for instance, or someone in traffic, as I did this morning, (laughs) coming here to record the show, I snapped at somebody. I felt really bad. I mean, it really hurt me. It hurt me. It hurt them. You know, someone beeped the horn and leaned on the horn at me about some little innocent, you know, I guess misbehavior I, I performed in traffic to some extent. But I reacted to it and acted unkind and with a little hostility. And I'm telling you, I have a hangover from it. I have an emotional hangover from that. Mm. I don't feel well. So what prompted the idea for courtesy and kindness was that I need more of it. It's, you know, this is kind of a me program. When I pick a topic, it's usually because something that I need to work on. So, if that answers your question. That is the way we do it, and whether we know it or not. And one of the things you, you mentioned, that the, the daughter saying, wanting to see how awake she could get, yeah. um, or something like that. And that reminds me of Step 12, which says, having had a spiritual awakening. And sometimes when we think of those words, spiritual awakening, we think of the the sort of the white light experience, the the uh, massive conversion or whatever it is. Oh my God! Wow, I'm awake. But awakening for me in the program was was very slow, and it was the small things that that, that I noticed that I did differently that told me that I had I had woken up at least a little bit. And thinking about just being. Uh, courteous and and kind to people in daily life. I usually ride the bus to work. Sometimes I walk depending on the weather and how much time I have left myself, which these days seems to be quite not enough usually. So I I ride the bus. And 
I get on the bus and I smile at the bus driver and I say, good morning. You know, that takes very little effort. It might make the bus driver feel a little better, but it makes me feel better. Just the process of smiling and being kind to somebody enhances my mood. And and that's pretty amazing, really, when you think about it. You picked a reading from Courage to Change, April 13th. Do you want to read that? Uh, this one really does say a lot. You know, what's interesting is I, I saw no reference to kindness in the index of Courage to Change and just, I guess, happened on this reading. I guess maybe it's under courtesy, but it does it does absolutely speak to kindness. It says, if I don't know how to respond to a situation today, why not try responding with kindness? Whether I accept or turn down a request, agree or disagree with someone's point of view, I can still treat the other person with respect and courtesy. I can say no as gently and lovingly as I can say yes. Today, I can honor my decisions without being defensive because I respect my right to make the best decisions I can. Even when others are not happy with those decisions, I can behave in a way that feels good for me. Others have the right to disagree, to feel differently, to be disappointed. I can respect that right and still stick to my principles. Relationships are complicated because people are complicated. We each own our ideas, values, and hopes, and they can't always coincide with the desires of those we love. Disagreements can be healthy and enlightening if we view them as a way to develop and deepen our relationships. Kindness and respect for everyone concerned will go a long way towards making this possible. Reminder says, today I will try to view every conflict as an opportunity to heal. I will honor myself by responding with courtesy. And love the quote is from the Talmud. The highest form of wisdom is kindness. Pretty amazing. Yeah. I love this. Relationships are complicated because people are complicated. Yeah. I think one of the things that was hard for me to de- in dealing with my loved one's alcoholism was that the things that seemed obvious and straightforward to me were not always obvious and straightforward to her. When I was not approaching a situation with a kind and courteous attitude, which was very frequent before I found Al-Anon recovery, the fact that, that she didn't think the same way I did, that she was not, you know, didn't have this, this simplicity that I, I thought, the straightforwardness that I thought was obvious, I would get angry, I would get resentful, and I would act on that anger and resentment. And of course that would come back to me, right? When, when I treat somebody with anger, when I treat somebody with disrespect, they don't come back with loving kindness, do they? No. So that would, that would just rile me up more. And it's a really a vicious circle there. And when I recognize that we each own our ideas, values, and hopes, and they can't always coincide with the desires of those we love. I can enter into disagreement with love and with kindness, and we can each say our piece. We can each do our things. I mean, I like to do things that that my wife doesn't like to do. She likes to do things that I don't like to do. And there are things that we like to do together. And understanding that we're not the same person 
giving each other some space. I think courtesy is, is often about giving the other person some space, don't you think? It is. And I guess the, why it kind of prompted this discussion and my thought about sharing on this topic is when someone treats me unkindly. I mean, part of it is me being kind and exhibiting courtesy. But what do I feel like when someone doesn't hold the door? Yeah. When someone doesn't say thank you? When someone, and I think it was a prior episode, and I'm not sure what the topic was of it, but do I have the right to feel resentful when someone does not extend me courtesy, particularly when I've done something kind or generous for them? In the past, I would say, yeah, I have the right to be ticked off that someone didn't return a call when I invited them to do something. Uh, when, when someone cuts me off in traffic or slams the door before I walk in, you know, what is the best thing for me to do? And usually the best thing for me to do is turn the other cheek. Don't take it personally. It's not about me. I still can respond with kindness. I, can, I still can treat myself with kindness. And the best way to treat myself with kindness is to not give away my serenity. That's the point. When I respond or react with hostility or disappointment, even, even that subtle feeling of, you know, I can feel disappointment, but I can still treat it in a way that's kind to me. You know, the more I'm talking and thinking about the subject, it's just, it gets deeper and deeper. And it's about a way of living. I'm going to use some quotes from some people that might put it better than, than I. <laughs> <laughs> I. I like to look up quotes. I think it's Brainy Quotes is the site that I use. and There's some really, really good ones. I thought about, you know, what people do we commonly identify as having kindness and generosity? Here's a quote. This is my simple religion. There is no need for temples, no need for complicated philosophy. Our own brain, our own heart is our temple. The philosophy is kindness. Now, who would you think said that? Um, no idea. Dalai Lama. Okay, that makes sense. It makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Here's another. Kindness in words creates confidence. Kindness in thinking creates profoundness. Kindness in giving creates love. Wow. I mean, who would have thought this little topic of courtesy and kindness would have such deep meaning? And that was by someone named Lao Tzu. Oh, Lao Tzu, yeah. Uh -huh. Very smart guy. Chinese uh, philosopher. There's, there's lots. I mean, there's lots and lots of uh, power to, uh, to this simple notion of being kind and courteous. Here's another warm smile is the universal language kindness. I mean, I, I gotta say, I mean, how do you feel when you, when you approach somebody and they smile at you? Yep. I mean, how good, how good does that feel? Absolutely. No, I wrote down uh, smiling and saying good morning, and I think I talked about smiling and saying good morning to the bus driver, but, you know, I find that, yeah, when I smile at somebody, I feel better. When they smile at me, I feel better. Of course. And presumably they do too, although I can't, I can't say that for sure. Um, but you talked about how we feel when somebody's discourteous to us, you know, holding, not holding the door or something like that. And wow, is that, also about expectation. Of course. I, I have an expectation that if somebody's a certain distance in front of me and we're both going through a door, that they'll just pause a moment and hold it for me so it doesn't slam in my face. Yeah. Sometimes they don't. Maybe they're being rude, but probably they're just being unnoticing. Yeah, unaware. 
they're unaware. Thank you. That's a better word. Yeah. They're just caught in their own thoughts in their own life. And maybe even, as you say, not aware that I'm that close behind them and the door's going to slam in my face. Or, or The doors don't generally slam these days, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I was in a meeting recently and somebody was talking about a situation where they had gotten a text from somebody else and it really pissed them off. So they didn't want to respond while they were pissed off. And then the other person got upset because they didn't respond. I was thinking, wow. So the person who received the text was actually being courteous in not responding right away because they would have responded angrily. But the response at the other end was more anger. And it's like, wow, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you do that? I was, of course, thinking, well, you should say blah, 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 right? Exactly. And I didn't say it because I was in a meeting and it wasn't my turn to share and we don't cross talk in our meetings. But it's like sometimes, sometimes our attempts at, at kindness and courtesy can be misinterpreted, I guess, is sort of what I took from that. Yeah. I really loved what you said about treating yourself with kindness to keep your own serenity. And you mentioned traffic, and traffic is still a place where I sometimes have difficulty with keeping my serenity. Like, I recently got a new car. It's a, a hybrid, and it's got this little dashboard thing that shows you like how hard you're accelerating and when you're in the what it calls eco mode and, and when you're on electricity rather than gas. And so it's a little bit of a game, right? And it actually scores your driving, gives you like, you know, 87 out of 100. And so there's a little bit of a game going on there, and I try to try to keep it in the in the eco mode. That means I don't accelerate really fast, and people get impatient. Say I'm on a, a four lane road, so I'm accelerating at my ecologically sound pace, and the person <laughs> behind me is getting frustrated, and so they they zoom out around me and cut back in front of me. If I can stay in that zone of serenity doesn't bug me at all. But if I'm a little bit on the edge and somebody does that, especially when they pull up about two feet behind me before they do it, that triggers me. And I'm like, what are you doing? And might give them a finger, at least in my head, as they go by. And that doesn't hurt them at all. Okay? It only hurts me. And I think that's that thing about treating yourself with kindness to keep your serenity, you know, or keeping your serenity to stay stay in that kind kind place. I don't know. It goes both ways, I guess. I've used that, uh, by the way, at least on one, if not two prior episodes, I've used that analogy of uh, MPG, you know, average miles per gallon. I also have a hybrid. You know, if I can get 30 MPG, I know I'm having a mindful day. Uh, mm-hmm. and when, I'm, when I'm at 18, something's, something's gone amiss. But I can reboot, you know, I can start over. Zero it out, and I, and I referred years now. I've been looking at that. It's not at miles per gallon, but mindful person guidance. Mindful person guidance. Yeah. MPG. When I can keep my MPG up in the high twenties, and um, I know I'm uh, I'm using my tools. You know. You pointed at the one day at a time book, one day at a time in Al-Anon, January twentieth, and I I just wanted to read a couple of paragraphs here. I cannot hurt others without hurting myself. This is a compelling reason for taking thought before I release words that might set off an angry interchange. Have I ever considered that the impulse to say something unkind comes from my own guilt and unease which erupts and blows against others? And this is the part that really spoke to me. 
about our discussion that we were just having. It may be a momentary release for me, but it returns like a boomerang to increase my own discomfort. Impatience with others only generates their impatience with me. I thought really spoke to, to what we were just talking about. Yeah, I love the, uh, the quote from that reading at the end of that reading of January 20th, says Jonathan Swift said, whoever is out of patience is out of possession of his soul. Men must not turn into bees who kill themselves in stinging others. Ooh, yeah. Wow, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I sting you, I die. Mm-hmm. It might might momentarily hurt you, and I might feel good about revenge, but I'm, you know, it hurts me more. I wrote at the top of that reading, I don't know when I, what year I read this, or how recently, but I wrote the slogan, Think. Uh, at the top of the page mm. on January twentieth in my book, and and we know the acronym for that is, is you know is what I'm thinking, feeling, wanting to do. Is it thoughtful, honest, intelligent, necessary, or kind? Yeah, and kind is the word. Usually, if I pause enough to to pull that slogan out of my toolkit, one of those letters stops me from doing what my impulses want me to do and my old behavior. And causes me to be kind to myself and not do that. Protect my serenity. Yeah. There's another reading from Odad, if you'd like, um, I thought was a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. This is on 299, October 25th. People often marvel when they see the Al-Anon program bring about the changes in the lives of those who practice it. This is its secret, that it is built on the fundamental ethical philosophy, which has been known throughout the ages. It is stated in such widely uh, different books as the Bible and the fables of Esau. To deal gently with our fellow men is suggested in Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and gentleness. You know, I mean, it goes on, but I'll go to the the, uh, quote after the reminder on October 25th. says, kindness is the mightiest force in the world. Whoa, right? Mm -hmm. There's no one... Nobody attributed to that. Pretty powerful to say that, but I do have this one from Mark Twain, who said, kindness is the language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. I'm thinking back just a couple of weeks to uh, an incident that happened at the leadership school that I talked about a little bit last week, where we, the adults of the staff, had reacted to, overreacted to a situation and had made some some of the people who were involved in this situation feel like we were accusing them of of something really horrible and one of the girls i was talking with her at dinner and she looked straight at me and she said i feel like i'm owed an apology you know and she didn't say it with anger she just said it and i looked at her and i said you're right that could have gone very differently. Of course. You know? oh, it yeah. could have gone very differently. And, and, you know, just the tone of voice that she used yeah. could have made it completely yeah. different. Yeah. You know, the, the chapter on communication we've, we've done many times, you know, seems to have some relevance here. Uh, how we say what we say. Oh, yeah. I, I highlighted that one in my book, and then I forgot to, uh, to pull it out. This is in the chapter in the book, How Elanon Works, the chapter 13 communication in the section is titled, How We Say What We Say. But not all our communication is determined by what we do or do not say. It also depends on how we say it. Not only 
our choice of words, but also our attitudes, facial expressions, and tone of voice can either open a channel or slam a door, regardless of the subject being discussed. All people, from the cashier at the drugstore to our children, deserve our courtesy. Any message can be conveyed with courtesy, even one of outrage. If we treat people well when we speak what is in our minds and hearts, they are much more likely to hear what we have to say. That last sentence. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. She didn't, like, scream at me. She looked straight at me and said, I feel I deserve an apology. And I'm like, and and I was able to hear that because of the way she delivered it. I didn't reject it. Much more powerful. Much, much more powerful. You know, I've said this in, in some shares before, but if I can speak in this tone of voice, I can get away with saying almost anything. <laughs> Hi, sweetheart. You came home too late again last night. You know, you're not going to be able to use a car for two weeks. Okay, have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 that you, the tone of voice and the facial expression are really important with that because... With a, with a genuine smile. Yeah. You know, and happy eyes. <laughs> yeah, because that last have a nice day. Oh, yeah. With a slightly different tone of voice, a slightly different facial expression, yeah. that could express contempt. Oh, oh, yeah. No, I mean, you have to be, you have to, you have to sell it, baby. I, there's a woman, <laughs> Beth, in my home group. She's, she's older. She's probably 70 and she's been in the rooms a very long time with incredible, wow, what a story. Son who's a heroin addict and uh, just surrounded, but she's just got this Buddha-like expression, just exudes calm serenity. She came in one time, I think, uh, I'm not sure if she was leaving, but she had a button on and it said, not my effing problem. <laughs> right? I said, Beth, you know, for all the years that I've been listening and seeing you here, that seems a little contrary to the Elanon, but, you know, I get it. I get it. <laughs> but perhaps we can just say, hi, my name is Beth, not my effing problem. Have a happy day. <laughs> there you go. Now you're, now you're with the program. <laughs> I think we're getting near our, our time to close here. We, we haven't talked about the Psychology Today article at all. Um, what did you want to pull from that? I'm just going to hit a couple of highlights here. It's just amazing. For our episodes, I do look to outside sources, and thankfully your, your show allows for that. But Psychology Today, boy, it really nails it. And this is a couple of readings. I'll just do the highlights I put in June uh, 9th. 2008, it looks like. It's a little faded on my printout. But it says, kindness is the essential virtue from which the others flow. Kindness is the indispensable virtue from which most of the others flow, the wellspring of our happiness. If the definition of love is raising the needs and desires of another to the level of our own, then kindness implies an ability to weigh these needs in every interaction with people. And jumping forward, under, the, under its umbrella, Kindness shelters a variety of other traits, empathy, generosity, unselfishness, tolerance, acceptance, compassion, that are highly valued and easily recognizable. Implied in all of these is the conviction that the quality of our relationship with other people is the primary de uh, determinant of our own happiness. And next paragraph says, we must be able, in the end, to reconcile our past behavior, derive pleasure from the moment, and envision a purpose to our future if we are to be happy. And the ability to do all of these tasks requires that we learn to be kind. 
you know, wow. I mean, how many of those words are in our program, right? Empathy, generosity, unselfishness, tolerance, acceptance, compassion. I mean, just bang, bang, right? I'm reading the first sentence of the next paragraph, which to me really speaks to one of the core elements of the Al-Anon program, and I think of 12-step recovery programs in general, and why they can be so powerful for us. It says, to be in the presence of another person who accepts us as we are, gives us the benefit of the doubt, cares what we think, and assumes we will act generously is an immensely gratifying experience. And to me, that is the experience of most of my meetings, is that they are filled with people who accept me as I am, give me the benefit of the doubt, and care what I think. Wow. Yeah, the, the next line, Spencer, I mean, just this just this article, I mean, if, if you would please put a link to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, next, the next sentence, we are drawn to such people, both because they are unusual and because they encourage us towards similar behavior. True kindness blurs the line between giving and receiving. And, and what do they say in the rooms to keep it? You have to give it away? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this this article, man, I mean, it could be a share in a meeting. It's just phenomenal. You know, uh-huh. the, the, the next one says on, on February 17th, 2013, the positive psychology of kindness, gratitude. Uh, I mean, all of these things that we cherish and try to work on, noticing kindness, chart kindness, kindness. You know, they have lots empathy. Uh, it's uh, it's just a positive way to uh, rewire our thinking. And uh, my sponsor said to me when I was struggling with this issue from Friday night, he said, uh, you know, Eric, I've heard it said many times, you know, Al-Anon teaches us to act opposite. And, you know, (laughs) just opposite, opposite our kind of, yeah, Yeah. opposite the way that we want to react, you know, instead of jumping, sitting, instead of raging, be quiet, instead of acting, do nothing. And sometimes that's exactly the medicine we need. Yep. You sent me a pile of links to, to yeah. songs, and, and I went through them. And I, the first one that I picked out, this is a, a sort of an oldie but goodie by Glenn Campbell titled Try a Little Kindness. Just some of the lyrics here. you got to try a little kindness. Yes, show a little kindness. Just shine your light for everyone to see. And if you try a little kindness, then you'll overlook the blindness of narrow-minded people on the narrow-minded streets. And I think that just really speaks to some of the stuff that we talked about today, where how kindness helps us to, you know, live more easily, to have a more serene life. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. I'm just reflecting on a couple of things that happened this week, actually all on Saturday. My Saturday morning meeting decided at their most recent group conscience, which I did not attend, they decided that we would start a table that is studying the concepts, and we would do that on the fifth Saturday of, of months when there is a fifth Saturday. And so this month was the first time there was a fifth Saturday after that, that group conscience. And so we had a table discussing concept one. Here we go. Twelve concepts of service. The first concept is the ultimate responsibility and authority for Al-Anon world services belongs to the Al-Anon groups. 
And that sounds kind of dry and like business-like and because that's sort of what the concepts are about, but they're called concepts of service. But the discussion, a lot of this discussion focused on the way in which sometimes we, Al-Anons in particular, uh, take responsibility for things that are not ours to be responsible for. But also there was one reading that it's from the book Reaching for Personal Freedom, the, the workbook Reaching for Personal Freedom. And I'm going to paraphrase it. The person talked about how they took responsibility sort of inconsistently that when the alcoholics stole money from them, they took responsibility for not hiding their checkbook well enough. But when somebody suggested that they go to Al-Anon, they didn't take responsibility for their own recovery because they didn't feel they needed to or something. And so we talked around a lot of stuff about responsibility and authority and, and how we've misplaced it sometimes. One person towards the end of the meeting shared that they had sat down at the table and they were angry that we were talking about concepts. They didn't want a concept meeting. But then they heard exactly what they needed to hear. And I just like, that is the experience, right? And, and, and I, and I said to the person afterwards, I said, look, you know, you may have been angry, but you stayed. You know, maybe that was your higher power working on you, but, but you did stay. And then later in the day, we went to a wedding. I was reminded of this by, by something you said earlier. We're sitting waiting for the bride to be ready and all the guests to arrive. It was an outdoor wedding and it was about a 10 minute walk from a parking lot to an outdoor worship area. And so, uh, people were somewhat late in arriving and apparently the, the bride is uh, a person who's always late for everything. And her grandmother was, officiating the ceremony and I was talking to her and she said, Oh yeah, 30 minutes to an hour typically. <laughs> and we did not start 30 minutes late. So, you know, I take that as a victory, but her, her husband, the grandfather was sitting next to her and, and he started to get a little agitated about something. And, and she just turned to him and said, it's not your circus. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know, and, and I don't think she's any kind of recovery, but I, <laughs> That, I've That's heard that expression right. around the room so often. It's not not my circus, not my monkeys, meaning this is not something I have to do something about. I want to buy into it, but I don't have to. It was a beautiful day, too. It was a great day for an outdoor wedding. Um, how about your week? Yeah, I love that. I, I actually have never heard that in a meeting, but I did see and I circulated a picture of Lucille Ball with her eyes raised up high. And <laughs> under the caption said, uh, when, you suddenly, when you suddenly realize... It's your circus, and these are your monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oop. Whoa. This is my circus, and those are my monkeys. Anyway, this week, uh, busy at work this week. But, you know, um, I kept going with my program as much as I could. Meditation every morning has become a religion for me, the way to start my day. And Thursday, homebrew, which a friend of mine led for the first time, a sponsee on the topic of trust good one and that you know i just wrote something down and it just popped back into my head i guess i shared about the topic trust and you know how it relates you know to a lot of the readings you know point to step three uh with trust and trusting in our higher power that is the ultimate most trustworthy thing we can do is to rely on a higher power greater than ourselves and trust that mm -hmm. there is help and all we need to do is ask and listen and be quiet. And I said something in the share, which, you know, I used to believe when I came in that I needed to find scripture and, you know, pamphlets about how to pray, what to pray, when to pray, what to say when I pray. 
And these days, you know what? When I wake, feel anxiety at two in the morning, uh, my prayers have become very simple. And my, my most frequent prayer is simply, God help me. God help me. Mm-hmm. And a woman came up to me afterwards and said, thank you so much. Thank you so much for saying what you do. I mean, that little prayer, God help me. I can't tell you how powerful that was for me. So that was really felt good. And then um, Saturday morning, I finished my uh, month tour as a newcomer greeter at my Saturday meeting where we have a newcomer's half hour before the meeting and Mm -hmm. gratefully had about four or five newcomers uh, show up in the room over the month for the first time. Yeah. So uh, good to, good to hear and uh, good to see. Then promptly left afterwards. So I missed my men's group and I missed my Sunday, but I went down to visit my mom who turned 88 on Saturday. I could close my daughters and it was really beautiful. They just were gushing with love for her and, it was really, really nice. Saw so my brother and, and just had a nice uh, visit uh, down in Philadelphia and spent the night. Uh, had a beautiful Sunday uh, brunch and took a ride on my brother's motorcycle and then came back and sat in traffic for three hours. But got through it with a poise and uh, a plum. <laughs> we- and, uh, yeah, that's we- it. Weekend traffic around New York City, huh? <laughs> you know, yeah, but uh, you know what? Here's what Alan does for me when I'm in traffic. I realize I still have choices. Okay. I can sit there and fume about something I have no control over. Yeah. Or you know what? I can get off and we can go and get a cup of coffee or some, uh, a milkshake and an ice cream and, and pick our way over to the Garden State Parkway, which was clear and free and zoomed up and went over the Tappan Zee Bridge. Okay. So, yeah. That was my week. Helps you to discover your options, doesn't it? having choices that I never knew I had. Okay. Next week, I'm going to be traveling. So we'll have have an open talk or a repeat episode for you. And not sure what's coming up after that. As as you've seen, we tend to go on short-term inspiration for our topics these days. If you want to join the discussion, if you want to Send feedback or questions about today's topic of kindness and courtesy or any of our previous topics or suggest a topic. If you'd like to participate in a discussion of a topic, you can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Call right now, 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at therecovery.show. You can visit our website, therecovery.show, which has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, uh, links to the music and articles that we talk about, and we'll have links to the Psychology Today article. And we'll take a short break before we look at our mailbag. Our second musical selection, which is available on the website at therecovery.show slash 211 is Kill Em With Kindness by Selena Gomez. I, I see this as a song about reacting to discourtesy, reacting to slights with kindness because it's better for us. The world can be a nasty place. You know it. I know it. Yeah. We don't have to fall from grace. Put down the weapons you fight with. Kill them with kindness. Go ahead. Go ahead now. We're running out of time chasing our lies. 
Every day a small piece of you dies. Always somebody willing to fight to be right. Kill him with kindness. Got some uh, emails. Got some comments on the website. Lorianne left a comment on episode 80, which is, what does it mean to work the steps? She writes, I retrospectively checked out this episode. What a fantastic topic. Working the steps over the years has been an interesting journey. My first sponsors were not pushy about working the steps, and I was actually afraid to ask about how and when this mysterious step process should start happening. After about the first year of attending meetings and getting more familiar with the program literature, still not wanting to ask for help from my designated sponsor, I had organized a small weekly step work group. The group agreed on a format, and we used a workbook. It was a very positive experience, and though not the same as working the steps solo with a sponsor, it was a great start and exercise in connecting my thoughts and experiences and taking ownership by sharing these aloud. It helped me to seek a sponsor who was more experienced with working the steps, and I then began working them one-on-one. I later connected with a woman who needed a sponsor in a different program where we both had about the same amount of time in that program. We agreed to co-sponsor each other, and that experience was also uniquely helpful because we committed our time to each other, reading, writing, seeking out resources for our step work, and invested time into working the steps. I have heard in meetings that there is no wrong way to work the steps, except that they need to be done in order and with a sponsor. Sponsorship can take different forms. Groups, sometimes reaching out to a program fellow and asking for help, provides temporary sponsorship, and of course, a formal sponsor. As for time, there are workshops that can take us through all 12 steps in a weekend, a good opportunity to work all steps in order. In other situations, for deeper issues, working all 12 steps in order might take years. I have yet to be short on new issues to apply step work to. I have difficulty in relating when someone claims that they worked the steps as if it was a one-shot deal. For me, the steps are a tool, not a one-time fix-all. The more familiar I am with using a tool, the easier it is to work on a problem that comes up. It has been very helpful to have taken different approaches, and I hope to keep learning. Also, I have found that the availability of resources online is a blessing. Some of the best step workshops, speaker tapes, and written inventory worksheets can be found online as guides. Recently, I found this one that looks helpful at www.12step.org. Eric left a short comment on the Living with Death episode, the last one. This was episode 210 at therecovery.show slash 210. He writes, OMG, what an amazing episode. Thank you so much, Spencer, with gratitude. And thank you, Eric. I'm, I'm glad it helped. Diana left us a voice message about severing ties with her loved one. Hey, it's Diana here. So it's official the relationship with my mom is done. It's been severed. Part of me feels a huge sense of relief, but definitely the worries is trying, you know, to rear its head kind of culminated where I try to set boundaries with her, but with a crazy person, you have to continually reset and reset and reset. And it's really exhausting. Got kind of got into the conversation with my therapist, you know, why am I doing this? Why, why am I putting myself through this and my family through this? Because she really sends me off. She gets me out of whack for sure. You know, it's a very stressful thing to try to be in a relationship with a fire. You know, we try to put it out and really all you can do is contain it because she'll always be a fire. She had taken some, this is a few months ago, homeless people 
strangers to live with her. They were essentially kicking her out of her own house and druggies, bad people. So we got them out of her house. She's driven most of the family away. Like no, nobody really has anything to do with her. She ended up kind of going through this, this breakdown and she shaved her head and was acting really weird. And she ended up getting picked up by the police and was taken into the psych ward only for a week. So I felt some sense of relief, like, okay, she's going to get some help, but they only let her go after a week. And I kind of battled with the doctor, like, no, she needs more time than that. In the past, it was at least, you know, three to four months, but he didn't listen and things continued to spiral. In the meantime, I'm still trying to set boundaries, but at the same time, it's really hard because I tell her not to call me and she texts me like a million times. Then I tell her not to text me and she has other people text me and it's just constant crossing of the boundaries and constantly redrawing the boundaries and draining and exhausting. And, you know, and of course we have suffered a couple of miscarriages and I'm going through infertility treatments. So that on top of it is very stressful. So it kind of culminated to this, this thing. Well, my grandparents, they were definitely, you know, the codependent ones and really kind of taught me to be that way. And they essentially were my parents, but they bought her a house for free because they never wanted her to be homeless. Years ago, she tried to sell the house and give it away to a stranger and they had to intervene and put the house in their name. Well, they're both passed away. And so they've, they've put the house under her name. Well, now she's trying to sell the house. And we're going into the same situation of her giving away the money. I mean, she's just not in her right state of mind. And I finally, in the middle of all this chaos and crazy and on top of what I'm going through, I, I said, you know what? I, I don't want to hear from you until Christmas. I need you to leave me alone. And I got really firm with her and she did not like that. Uh, she came back with a lot of fight and basically told me, She doesn't ever want to talk to me again, and part of me just felt this huge sense of relief. The majority of me felt a huge sense of relief, (laughs) because she's a nightmare, a complete nightmare, but obviously there's a slight worry there. So that's where we're at today. You know, my first day of peace without having my phone blow up with a million texts and trying to tell somebody to stop. I don't know how I feel about it. I'm hoping... I I always lived in hope that she would get help, but I almost wish that back there somebody would have told me, you need to work on accepting, not this living in fantasy thing. She will always be sick. It's a degenerative disease. You need to just accept the realities and take the hand that life has dealt to you and, and then go forward and... And so that's, that's the realm that I'm living in. Yeah. My sister's cut her out and her two brothers have cut her out. Nobody can deal with it. You know, it's just, it's just completely exhausting and draining. And I don't know. That's how I feel. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Diana, for your, your continuing honesty and openness. And I'm sure that there are listeners who totally identify with, with your experience and that maybe can find some strength and hope in in your share. Thank you again. iTunes reviews and ratings make us easier to find by those in need who are seeking recovery. And we have a couple reviews this month. One titled Comforting and Insightful by P.M. Buck. I've only been listening since last week and already have recommended your podcast to three people. 
I'm getting so much from your calm and comforting words, your approach to sharing your stories and experiences, and how you break down the basics that might overwhelm people who have never been to an Al-Anon or recovery group. Thank you. And and thank you for that, and thank you for sharing it. That is one of the, the things that really can most help us to continue to carry the message is if when you find value, you know, share it with some friends who might also get similar value from it. Another one titled So Grateful for This by Banjo Laley. So one titled So Grateful for This. I discovered this podcast a few weeks ago when I was looking for help on detachment with love and found episode 188. Since then, I've listened to an episode or more every day, and I find it so helpful in working the program, which I'm new to. Thanks to all involved. And I have to ep- echo that. Thanks to, to everybody. I can't do this alone. Um, even when you send me an email saying thank you, that helps. When you send an email with a topic suggestion, that helps. And for those people who have uh, participated in one form or another in the podcast itself, I am infinitely grateful to uh, because it really, really helps. So thank you. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses which run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Saul and Michelle did. And thank you again, Saul and Michelle. We have put together a list of recovery-related books. Click on the books link in the menu at the top of the page. If you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we receive a small commission. And I want to thank people who've been buying things on Amazon. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, whether it's sharing the podcast with your friends, simply direct them to the recovery.show or just listening. We are here for you. The last song that I picked for this episode is Tender is the Night by Jackson Brown. And again, you can listen to it at the recovery.show slash 211-211. Few lyrics. Tender is the night. Tender when you hold your baby tight. Tender, tender are the motions. Tender is the night. Between a life that we expected and the way it's always been, I can't walk back in again after the way we fight. Tender is the night. And again, that, that speaks to me of maybe when we're angry, being able to respond with kindness and courtesy to our anger helps us to repair relationships. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.